this is the time with the catalyst and my guest, Larry Olushola. Larry, welcome to Ghana. Hey, Reverend Albert, man. Thank you very much for inviting me. It's um, a blessing to, to hang out with you. And I, I've been looking forward to this since we got wind of you coming into Ghana. Wow. Thank you very much. And I look forward to, you know, us together, touching the lives of the listeners out there. There's, there's so much that is... is um, we can say it's, it's aligned between what you do and what you do because we, we, we're all about people, all about transforming people and very importantly about the God factor. But let's unpack Lanre Ulishola. What exactly or who exactly is Lanre Ulishola? Ooh, so, I mean, um, in a simple word, I'm the catalyst. Um, I help people transition from where they don't want to be, where they are, where they shouldn't be to where they are designed to be, where they deserve to be, and where they desire to be faster than they can by themselves. I help people identify spiritual, psychological, and social barriers that get in their way. Not just identify, we help them with practical tools to eliminate those mountains and those barriers. So we help people be the best that they can be, be all that they were created to be, maximize their potential and live lives of happiness, tranquility, peace, joy, and love. Let me take two steps back and ask you, you start on the premise that people don't want to be where they are. Do you get a sense that people don't want to be where they are? Do you know I, that? I get a sense that some people are content even to live lives way below their potential. Yeah, you know, there's some people that are afraid of success. There's some people, you know, that have been programmed to remain in certain levels because of what their parents have told them, because of what their religion is, because of what their culture has taught them. But deep inside them, there is no human being that doesn't want to break through. There's no human being that doesn't want to prosper. There's no human being that doesn't want to progress. So deep within you is your inner man. In neuroscience, we call it the subconscious, which is a combination of your spirit and your soul. And the combination of your spirit and your soul desires for you to be prosperous. Unfortunately, the distance between where you are or where you don't want to be and where you deserve to be or where you desire to be is a function of a word called how. Many people don't know how. And it's simply because a lot of people don't understand the inner workings of their inner man. In neuroscience, we call it the subconscious. Interestingly, this week I had a message called Because. That traces the reason. And now you're talking about how. So because locates why you are where you are. And the how talks about how to get to where you, you want to be or where you, you, you deserve to be, like you rightly mentioned it. What would you call the biggest barriers to progress in the lives of people? You mentioned you mentioned orientation, socialization, family. And you also mentioned religion. But I don't know whether you were mentioning them as enablers or barriers. But what, in your opinion, Lanry, will be the biggest barriers to people reaching their full potential, in your opinion? So I'm going to be speaking to Africans. Um, I'm going to be speaking to my brothers, uh, Ghanaians and Nigerians. And sisters. And sisters right. and, and our biggest problem is religion tradition and culture those are the biggest 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 challenges barriers and mountains for as a man thinks in his heart so is he if only you can believe all things are possible to him that believes if only you can pull down strongholds imagination and high things that exalt itself above what God's perfect will for you is, then you can be anything that you want to be. And <clears throat> God is only able to do far exceedingly abundantly above that which you ask. That is, you say. So words create your world. 
that which you think, that which you imagine, according to the power, the convictions, the energy, the emotions, that, the spirit that worketh within you. So you are a limitation uh, based on your thoughts, your imaginations, and your thoughts and your imaginations create your convictions and your beliefs. And beliefs over time become a tradition and a culture. So that is our greatest challenge. For the benefit of our listeners who are not able to decouple religion from faith, I mean, you're a person who talks about God. You, you reference scripture, you reference your work with God, and yet you call religion one of the biggest barriers. Somebody can't make that um, distinct, can't distinguish between religion and faith in God. Could you help us unpack All it? Right, I like to call it spirituality, distinguish uh, spirituality from religion. So religion is man's way, man's methodology, man's... Um, theory, man's theorem, man's, you know, way of trying to understand this, I call him Papa, you know, man's way um, of trying to reach Papa and relate with Papa. And, you know, what is true for you is not true for me, but truth is universal. So spirituality is Papa existing as who he is. So, so, Moses, so, what, so what is the truth? Yeah, truth is Papa, Papa, Papa manifesting himself because he's our father truth is jesus christ truth is the holy ghost you know the three the three in one the trial truth is the fact that everyone has a deposit of papa in him the spirit of the human being is a deposit of papa so you know there can be no maximizing any potential without your spirit and the spirit of papa correlating because two cannot work together until they agree so it's about a personal walk with Papa. It's about knowing Papa. For example, now, Reverend Albert, we have met, right? And hopefully we develop a relationship moving forward. And as we've met, right, we know each other. And if we keep on interacting with each other, we'll get to know each other better. And we'll be able to, you know, um, join forces and maximize our mandate, our purpose, and support each other's dreams, right? If you don't have that personal relationship, no matter what you know about me from a distance, I can't be of benefit to you. No matter what people have said about you or, you know, what you have heard about me from other people, we can't be of benefit to each other. So, you know, it's not about what people have said. It's not about what you have read. It's all about a personal experience and a walk with Papa. That is what true spirituality is. Papa manifesting through you so that you can be a vessel of honor transforming other people's lives, living the purpose for which he has created you, becoming the solution for which he has, he has you know, created you, and adding value and solving the problem for which you were born. How do we deal with, with tradition as a barrier to progress? We change the beliefs that instituted the tradition. So behind every tradition is a belief. Give me an example. And, and so, for example... Um, Let's let's look at a belief in a family. Oh, we believe that um, you know. Uh, no, let's take twins. You know, at the beginning, there's a tribe in Nigeria that when twins are born, were born, they used to kill them because of their ultimate beliefs. Then, oh, that twins had some spiritual connotation, and so the only way to address that spiritual issue at that time was to kill the twins. They had a belief. Over time, that belief became a tradition. Over time, that tradition became a culture. Now, at that point, they thought that that was a solution, <laughs> but we're more exposed now, right? And so, 
you know, um, we for many decades they tried to stop it, but there's still one little teeny weeny, you know, um, group of people that still believe it, although the large populace don't believe it. So tradition and culture is transient; it changes and is supposed to change with time. At the point where you develop that belief, you have that problem, it was a solution to it, it was relevant at that time. And once it's no longer relevant, you need to change it. So what I've found is a lot of people don't probe. They don't question tradition. They don't ask questions. Is it still relevant? What is the outcome that this tradition or this culture or this belief will create for us? Is that the desired outcome that I want? If it isn't, then you need The onus lies on you to change it. The Bible calls it renew your mind. It calls it pulling down strongholds and high things and, you know, imaginations and thoughts and traditions. Bible says that tradition makes the word of God null and void. This is Springboard Virtual University. My guest for tonight, Lanre Olushola. And Lanre is the catalyst, the one who provides the tools that enable you to spring from where you are or where you do not want to be to where you deserve to be. And we're trying to unpack what, in his opinion, are the three biggest barriers to progress, especially within the context of our lives as Africans. And he's identified religion, tradition, and culture. Which one is the strongest? They're, all, they're all with equal power. Uh, are they inter- interrelated? Yeah, yes. They, all right. They're all, all, right. They're all so the, the religion creates the beliefs, the beliefs become traditions and ultimately becomes a culture. Well, so you have an experience. Right. And based on that experience, um, you deploy a coping mechanism. Right. And that coping mechanism, you know, um, deploys capabilities or lack of capabilities and a combination of where you're coming from in that experience, your behaviors over time and the things that you've done and seen evidence of develops a belief. And that belief evolves into a set of codes that we call values. Right. And your combination of beliefs and set of codes form your self-identity or your perception of who you are. And who you are invariably becomes, you know, that culture. And the behaviors and the habitual behaviors, and ultimately they create outcomes in your life. Larry, in this conversation, I'm going to be I'm going to be asking you about your, your thoughts about certain key pillars of our lives, pillars like marriage, like money, like business, and we'll try to situate them within this context of moving our lives forward and listeners if you have a friend that you're thinking about and seeing i wish he or or she were listening to this program tonight just just send them a text a whatsapp or or call them and tell them listen tune in to join 99.7 fm and join this very interesting discussion that would help you to project yourself to the place that god would have you be my guest for tonight langre olushola helping us to unpack where we are coming from why we are where we are and very importantly where we should be and how to get there he says the big word is how we're trying to find out how we can get to the place where we are together it involves some change change from the way we've done things to the way we should do things larry what is the biggest trigger of change how can people best be helped to make that that transition truth how is truth packaged so you know it is only the truth that can set you free so if you go to a doctor and you say to a doctor that I'm ill. The doctor, if he's a true profession, professional, he should run a diagnosis on you, do your blood test, your urine, whatever test, and draw your samples and go in there. 
into the lab and run a culture or an analysis. And then based on the report, he now understands that, you know, I need to check my database, my repertoire of information and run what I found against my database. And then he finds a correlation and says, you have this. And based on that, his repertoire of knowledge, right, he goes into his reserves and finds the solution to it and then prescribes the solution to you, to it. And then you believe, because he's a professional, what test he has done is accurate. The report he has given is accurate. The prescription he's given will work for you. And then you believe. And then you take the medication and then, you know, you get relief, right? It's the same way. So that doctor has gone through a process. He has identified truth. He has revealed it to you. He has found the problem and he has recommended a solution. The same way with any human being that has a challenge, mindset, tradition, culture, is to run a diagnosis. How do you think and make decisions? What is your personality? What environment do you exist in? You know, what is your relationship with your spirit? What is your relationship with your mind? What is your relationship with your environment, people and things and the physical space? And then how has that infected and affected, you know, your perception to life, your emotions, the words that you constantly speak, right? The actions that you constantly take. And then how does that influence your behavior? How does that influence your beliefs? And how does that influence your decisions in life, your expectations, your attitude, your habits, and ultimately your outcomes in life. Now, for us to change anything, right, we must go back to the basics. We must go back to the trigger. We must go back to where it is formed, right? And the the foundation of all cultural tradition is your environment. So we go back and we run diagnosis on your environment. And then voila, we're able to identify the triggers. So let me start from the family unit where it all begins. And let me talk particularly to the subject of marriage. It's a very, it's, it's, a, it's a powerful institution, but at the same time also a very challenged institution. When you take a carefree look at social media, look at people's perceptions, the reportage of experiences, we get the impression that many marriages are struggling. What is the big issue about marriage? I mean, there's several. I mean, just to, you know, bring the point home. Um, we did a research uh, last year and we found out that one in two marriages globally is ending up in divorce, first-time marriages. 63% of second-time marriages is ending up in divorce. 72% of third-time marriages is ending up in divorce. Um, I haven't done a research in Ghana yet, but I did a research study in Nigeria. Seven out of 10 marriages in Nigeria is ending up in one form of separation or the other. So the wife and the husband or the wife or the husband has checked out psychological logically and emotionally, right? He's physically there, bearing Mr. and Mrs., creating a dysfunctional environment for the children, how be it, you know, that they're still, you know, um, living together. So you're saying that the separation need not be physical. There are instances where they actually are together physically, but they've, oh, yeah, they've, they've, shut, checked, down, they've shut down psychologically and emotionally, and that's the, the, the bane of a lot of Africans. How, because, how big an issue is that? It's a major issue because of religion, you know, um, so a lot of people believe that divorce is a sin. You know, meanwhile, they are divorced. 
psychologically and emotionally. They are just haven't checked out physically. So would you say they are keeping up the appearances? Yes, yes. They are keeping up the Joneses. Because when we did a research, why don't Africans and Nigerians divorce? It is simply one, religion. And why is religion driving it? Because they believe that divorce is a sin. What will people say about them? It's a sign of failure. You know what I'm saying? You know, so they keep up with the Joneses because, you know, it's more about what people think. It's more also about the kind of respect. A lot of women are more respected when they, are, they feel that they are more respected when they are married. Then a lot of people marry for the wrong reasons. So you are asking why are marriages failing? People are marrying for the wrong, wrong reasons. Like, a lot of people are marrying things, not people. So in Nigeria, you know, if you are wealthy, they are marrying into the name of the family. Oh, a lot of people are marrying people that are popular. A lot of people are marrying people that dress well. So it's the Gucci that they are marrying. A lot of people are marrying cars because the guy drives a range of our sports. The guy lives up, you know, in the best part of town. So you know, the guy has a great job. Why a lot of these, in, in quotes, celebrity, celebrity marriages don't work. They can't work, right? Because they're marrying for the wrong reasons, you know. And a lot of people base marriage <clears throat> on a feeling. Hey, you don't marry because of a feeling. You marry because you are ready. There are five critical components that make marriage work. Number one is you must be best of friends. So the question you must ask yourself is, my my spouse and I, are we best of friends? And can we remain best of friends? Secondly, is do you truly have a knowledge and understanding of yourselves, your strengths and your weaknesses, your personality type? Do you have a, um, a, a knowledge of how your spouse thinks and makes decisions? Do you have a knowledge of how they perceive the world and how they interact with, with, with the world? Do you have a knowledge of what their background is and what kind of home they are coming from and what kind of values, you know, and beliefs they're coming with? Do you have an understanding of where that person is going, what his vision in life is? And do we correlate? Am I going in the same direction? If we get into the same ship, is this sailing in the same direction? Now, a lot of people don't sit down, you know, and assess that. So that's the second thing. The third thing is, are you willing to forgive ahead of time? Every wrong done to you because you will wrong each other. You know, you would upset each other. You will annoy each other. So Did you say every? Every, yes. <laughs> Don't let somebody shut down my radio station. No. <laughs> tune, off, tune off my program. You <laughs> say, I'm willing to forgive, but please don't say every. There are some that... <laughs> no, you see, look, look, the way that I see it is, you know, I love one of the prayers that Jesus Christ taught us. In fact, one of the very few prayers that he taught us is called the Lord's Prayer. And there's a phrase in there, forgive me all my own sins, even as I forgive. So the provisor lies with you now. If you want your sins forgiven, right, you also have to forgive. And guess what? He forgave you even before you were born. He forgave you even whilst you were a sinner. Then his disciples asked him, how often should we forgive? He says 70 times, seven times. That's 490 times. You know, Jesus gave them the standard, the truth. Now, how can somebody offend you 490 times, right? The person must be the devil or you haven't forgiven. Because what Jesus is teaching is if the person offends you the first time, forgive him, which means that it goes back to zero. If he offends you the second time, it's the first time. You forgive him. So it goes back to zero. If you are truly practicing truth, right, you will never attain Number 490. That's so the one third is friendship, thing. two alignments, three forgiveness. No, two is knowledge and understanding right. and align your knowledge right. and understanding of each other. Three is alignment. 
Four is empathy, kindness. So where, where does forgiveness come in? Forgiveness is on its own because look. Right. And then four is empathy, kindness. Okay. You have to outdo each other in, in kindness. You have to have empathy for people, right? You have to be able to walk in their shoes. You have to be able to see from their eyes. You have to be able to feel with their heart. You have to be able to hear with their ears, right? And you have to be able to empathize with your spouse. And lastly is maturity. In fact, you know, in in corporate parlance, we call maturity emotional intelligence. 85% of all success in life and marriage is dependent on how emotionally intelligent you are those are the five things that create marriage now some people will be saying i haven't mentioned love and communication if you know and understand each other right and you're best of friends will there be communication yes if you have empathy kindness and maturity and emotional intelligence you will know that love is the greatest force is the greatest and most powerful emotion and you will know that love is not a feeling love is a dedicated affectionate commitment to the well-being of your spouse and so it's a selfless act that is not supposed to be um, mandatory about what they do it is a selfless act what we call agape Larry Lushola is my guest tonight on Springboard, your virtual university, having a very smart discussion with us about locating yourself where you are and transporting yourself to where God will have you be. I'm sure that in the midst of all that we've been doing, having smart solutions about healthcare, about um, corporate, personal and everything, you are finding that there is a better, a smarter, a more efficient way to do, do the things that you do. We've spoken also about marriage and he's been laying, in his opinion, the five blocks that would build a successful marriage. Friendship, one, knowledge and understanding, two, forgiveness, three, empathy, four, and then maturity, what you typically will call in corporate parlance, emotional intelligence. He says 85% of all success emanates from there. At that point, somebody put your two hands on your head and said, oh, I'm lost. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Let's move Bravo. this forward. Oh, yes, Larry. I'm enjoying this discussion. Ah, Let's I'm move going, this man. to the, the, the subject that is at the core, the very core of, of you fulfilling your mandate here on earth paul says in first corinthians 7 7 that i wish all men were as i myself but every man has a proper gift from god one after this manner and the other after that let's talk about talent talent that's one thing that distinguishes you how how powerful is is, is the subject of talent and how can one discover exactly what god put in your hands <sighs> you know I strongly believe that talent alone is not enough. I agree. One. Two, um, talent aligns with purpose because talent is the gift and the essence that God gave you to fulfill your purpose without struggle. The question you must ask yourself is, what is it that gives me energy and passion? What is it, you know, that when they compare me with other people, <laughs> I'm miles away, you know, I'm on top. What is it that other people have always pointed me in the direction? Those are indications of what your purpose and your talents are. And for some people, you may have multiples. Always know that there's one major one that the other ones complement. And all of these complement and help you fulfill your purpose without struggle. So the essence of why you are created the purpose for which you are still alive, 
The reason for which you are still on earth is that your purpose is still relevant. Your talent and your gift is still in application. Now, you remember that I said that talent alone is not, give, is, is not enough, right? Diligence and development and commitment to your talent and your purpose is the most critical thing. When you are diligent and committed, the Bible says that you will stand before kings. Seest thou a man that is diligent in his business, he will stand before kings and not mere men. And we are not talking about hard work, labor. We're talking about hard and smart work. And that's where emotional intelligence comes in. You are emotionally intelligent to know exactly that this is a strength in this context. And in another context, it's a weakness because every strength is a weakness and every weakness is a strength. So emotional intelligence teaches you that in this context, the, 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 the supposed strength, right, is a weakness. And the supposed weakness in that other context is a strength. And so a combination of all of those, the solution that you are born to be, identifying the problem you are created to solve, who has it, and which of your talents or your gifts you must deploy to help you fulfill that mandate without struggle. And then, you know, the dynamics of emotional intelligence are critical to your mandate here on earth. Let's go to the issue of money. Money is a subject <laughs> we all like, but pretend we don't like. <laughs> what, what, what is your perspective on money as a key a key factor in achieving your goals and dreams you know two years ago um, i took my, my 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 daughter swims for nigeria she's 12 years old i took her for a competition in germany two years ago and um you know in one of those competitions um, god said to me um larry i want you to write a book on my competition and competitor so I said to myself, uh, God, you are the almighty sovereign, grandmaster of the universe. You have no competitor. He says, I do. So I asked him, who or what is your competitor? And he said, money. And he took me to Matthew. It's in Matthew 15 that you cannot serve two masters. Right. You will either despise one and follow the other. Wow. And I started a research said I should write about the mindset of the poor man, the rich man, and the wealthy man. So I started to research the mind because that's the domain of my mandate. He sent me to transform lives by transforming minds. And I realized that, you know, paper is not money. The size of your bank account, the size of your wallet is a function of the size of your mind. The Bible says, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. So if your mind is poor, you'll be poor. So the difference between a rich man and a poor man is two things. Number one, the, the rich man has a rich mind. The poor man has a poor mind. Number two is that the rich man understands the principles of wealth creation and sustenance. The poor man doesn't. Money responds to principles, not prayer. So a lot of people want to pray and fast for money, but they don't understand the principles. You know, um, I did a research on breakthrough. That is people winning lotteries. And I realized from all the research that I did that 99.9% .9 of people that get those breakthroughs, those lucky breaks that win lotteries, <clears throat> they turn out to be worse than they were. In fact, worse 
than they were before they won the lottery. Why is that so? Because they don't understand the fundamental principles of wealth creation and wealth sustenance. So there's a difference between wealth and riches. So wealth is four-dimensional. So the first dimension of wealth is, you know, your investment in yourself, your personal development. That is, what do you know? Because money follows knowledge. So, Revo, you know, your mechanic collects money from you, right? Yeah. Yeah, your doctor, if you're not feeling well, collects money from you. Your plumber collects money from you. Your electrician collects money from you. So money flows out of your pocket because of your ignorance. And because of their knowledge, money flows towards them. You know, so what do you know that people need to know that they don't know? That is what will attract them to you. And that is the force that we call money magnet that will magnet and pull the money towards you. So what is your personal development goal. What do you know and what do you seek to know in line with your purpose, the solution you were born to be, the problem you were created to solve and the people that have it. So what do you know spiritually? What do you know psychologically? What do you know socially? What is your repertoire of knowledge, insight and understanding? That's the first dimension of wealth. Second. The second dimension of wealth is what people call money. That is cash. That is your cash flow, your investments, your assets, um, you know, um, your, you know, your uh, revenue that comes in, you know, that thing that you can exchange, you know, for anything. The third dimension of wealth is relationships, how be it power, power being your social influence, your impact, uh, your emotional intelligence and how you are able to develop relationships. Because I say to people that the value of your network determines your net worth. You know, show me the people you hang around and I will accurately predict your future. He who works with poor people will be poor. He who works with the rich will ultimately become rich. The, the one that rolls with the wise will be a wise man. So, you know, what is your network? What is your social influence? What is your political power? You know, what, 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 who are the kind of people that know you, that you know, that you roll with, right? And the last one is time. You know, you can never achieve anything without time. So time is the resource that once is lost, is gone. So do you spend time? Do you waste time or do you invest time? You know, there's a difference between Kronos and Kairos. So a lot of people, you know, count the years. They don't make the years count. A lot of people don't understand that there's a, the context of time and chance. But time and chance happens to all, but not all take their chance when their time comes. Why? Because they are not prepared. They don't have foresight. They don't have insight. They are not aligned and constantly thinking to creating solutions to problems that God has created them to be. So they don't understand the value in idle time. So there's always idle time that God gives you. And that time is supposed to be for preparation. So, you know, um, Thomas Edison is spent idle time. And failed 10,294 times before he found the filament bulb. 
a lot of people ask him, why did you allow yourself to fail 10,294 times? He says he didn't fail 10,294 times. He found 10,294 ways not to do it. So he knew that he needed to be ready. And when the time came, voila, 10,295th time. That is Kairos, God's appointed time. Now, there's nothing you can do to fasten God's appointed time because God has a time for everything. You know, there's a reason why, Revo, you were born in this season. You were born as a Ghanaian because of the purpose for which God has created you, because of the social system, the ecosystem in this era. You are a gift for such a time as this. You couldn't have been born as a Chinese man a thousand years ago because your purpose was not yet relevant. So you were a gift in, in Kairos. And a lot of people don't take that into consideration. You know, God told us to be like the sons of Issachar, understanding the signs, the times, and the times. Right. And so a lot of people, you know, don't know when to let go and let God. And a lot of people don't know when to push, you know, to activate faith, to create their chance in their time. So those are the four dimensions of wealth. And just for the benefit of those who just joined us on the show, this is Springboard of Virtual Investing. My guest, Lanre Olishola, helping us to break down his own um, perspectives on money and wealth. And he, he started by defining money as God's competition. That was very interesting. Then he talked about the poor man's mind versus the rich man's mind. And very importantly, how you need to understand the principles of money and wealth. His dimensions of wealth are four. One, your knowledge, knowledge insight, and understanding. Two, your cash flow, investment, assets, and everything that you count on your fingertips. He was just ruining his fingers as he was speaking. <laughs> the third one, relationships and power. Social influence, your net work and how that influences your net worth and the fourth one is time a resource god has generously given each of us some of us use some of us waste some Revo, of us invest Revo, the first dimension there are two things to add to it foresight and hindsight right. yeah so you have to have you know the skills to have foresight that is activate your imagination because it's in fact in my opinion, the greatest gift that man has been given. You know, Genesis 11, God came down and says, anything that man imagines to do, he cannot be stopped. You know, if you cannot see with the eyes of your spirit and the eyes of your mind, forget it. You know, God told Abraham that you are a father of many nations and called him so many times. And Abraham did not connect with it. He heard it, but he did not connect with the imagination. So God took him out and showed him the stars of the the skies and the sands of the seashore. Instantly, Abraham connected with the eyes of his spirit and his imagination. And the Bible says it was accounted unto him for righteousness. Even animals bow to what they see. So what do you see is a part of the knowledge. And what skills have you developed in terms of seeing with your inner eyes and your physical eyes? Animals bow to it. Jacob wanted to leave his father-in-law. And he created a model. He put a speckled stick and the animals, when they were drinking water and mating, they looked upon it and they were producing after its kind. What you cannot see, you cannot seize. And that which you see is what you become. So you wonder why are people sagging? You know that phenomenon where sensible men wear trousers and they are showing their pants. They call it sagging. You know where they found it? On TV. They were watching MTV and those kind of things. They began to see themselves like it. 
they began to see themselves like they, before they knew it, their trouser was dropping and they were following that culture. Right. So man becomes what you look at. So, so, I mean, you, you bring up the issue of content and my mind goes straight to what is being shown on various networks and what children are watching and, and what is being shown on various media platforms. Are you saying that the content that is projected on these platforms have a very important influence on tradition and ultimately culture? Oh, yeah, over time. I mean, so, you know, the hip-hop culture, how did it start? It started from them watching musical videos or people sagging. So their role models, they were seen on, video, on, on musical video, on television, and they wanted to be like them. And they believed that that was the hip thing. You know, they believed that that was the thing, the way to dress. And so for you to aspire to be like your hero and your role Put model, you pull down your trousers. Let me ask you about self-esteem. You talked about the fact that, and I know you love that subject. Let me, let me ask you about self-esteem. And the reason is very simple. When you talked about knowing exactly what God has made you, the time, the, the kairos and the season and why God put you here at a particular time for a particular reason. I found out, I, mean, I, I just, my mind just went back to the fact that for several people, they will never be fulfilled because they always are comparing themselves to somebody else who they think is more fortunate. The grass is greener on the other side. Or would it tell people like that who probably have a low self-esteem because they feel that nature has dealt them a tough card? Speak to those kind of those. I mean, the very first thing I want to say to you is life is not fair. And God is not fair. God is just. And life is just. Life gives you what you negotiate. And your currency of negotiation is what I call the secret cocktail to success and fulfillment. And here it is. Healthy self-worth, healthy self-esteem, and self-belief. Without it, you can never, note my words, you can never succeed in any chosen field of endeavor. Save that cocktail again. Yes, the cocktail is a healthy self-worth, a healthy self-esteem, and a healthy self-belief. Without it, you can never have the confidence to succeed in any chosen field of endeavor. It starts with your identity. Do you know that nobody else on earth, nobody else on earth has your iris? Do you know that nobody else on earth has your DNA? Do you know that nobody else on earth has your fingerprints? Do you know that you are one of a kind? There is 7.4 billion people on earth today. And out of the other 7.4 billion people, there is nobody else like Larry. There is nobody else like Revo. There is nobody else like you. You are a special breed. You have never existed before. <laughs> Do you know that you were one of the 100 million spam cells? that were swimming towards that one egg and you outswam them. You were victorious even before you were born. Do you know that you are, you are a champion? You beat all the other 100 million spams and you fertilized that egg. You don't know who you are. Look, this concept of identity, Jesus taught it. Why would Jesus call his disciples and say, who do men say I am? He was teaching them the fundamental principle of identity. He knew who he was. He wasn't trying to validate it. He wanted to teach them a point. And so he asked his disciples, who do men say that I am? And they started to rumble. Then he asked them, who do you say I am? Because identity 
is related to performance. It is how you see me that you see that I can perform. Look, in his village, he could do no miracles because they saw him. We were there when your mother gave birth. We were there, silly boy, when you were growing up. Aren't you the carpenter's son? Aren't you that boy that, you know, ah, files wood? You say you are God. You say you are the miracle man. You forget it. We know your brothers so, and sisters. Yeah, we know your brothers and sisters. Forget that matter. Even though the anointing was residing on him, even though his identity had been reconfirmed as the son of God when John baptized him, right? And the dove came down and says, you are my beloved son. They could not relate with his identity. And so they could not benefit from him. He who despises his identity can never manifest in full glory. And so Jesus asked them, who do men say that I am? Who do you say that I am? And then they told him, Peter raised up his hand and says, you are Christ, the son of a living God. And Jesus told them the source of knowledge of identity. He says, flesh and blood has not revealed this unto you. Television cannot reveal your identity to you. Your mother cannot reveal your identity to you. Your friends cannot reveal your identity to you. Your social groups cannot reveal your identity to you. Your job and your profession cannot reveal your divine identity to you. Only one source can reveal your identity to you. And if you do not have a personal, intimate relationship with that source, how can you know its voice? And so you have to go back to your manufacturer. You have to go back to your manufacturer, your creator, and ask him, who am I? Mm. What is my identity? Right. Who did you create me to be? Right. And know who you are and identify who you are and wrong with that. So 14 years, 15 years ago, I went back to my creator and I said to him, who am I? And he says, you are the catalyst. I had to reconfirm my identity before I shut down the 14 businesses I was running. I was running 14 very successful businesses. One day I was praying and God told me, shut it all down. I need you to do something else. I needed to go and reconfirm who I was. And when he told me who I was, he told me to change my surname. So I changed my surname. I changed what I called myself because that which you call yourself. You look that's what you call yourself. You become. What? What do you call yourself? I'm the catalyst. Okay. I am what God has called me. And God says, change your surname because you are a different animal. You are a different species. That which people call you and you respond to is in agreement with the meaning of what they call you. He says, that's not who you are supposed to be. So you shut down the name? Yeah, I shut it all down. I changed my surname. So look, it's all in line. Olushola means that God does as he pleases. Mm. He blesses as he pleases. Larry, let's wrap this up with, with a message to corporate leaders. You know, our, our platform is one that has major corporate leaders across various industries listening to tonight. Let me just give you a chance to speak to corporate leaders who are listening to us tonight. And, and friends, if you joined us later along the line, my guest for tonight, he calls himself the catalyst. He believes that God has given him a mandate to help people become what they deserve to be and pull them out of what they, where they do not want to be, but where they find themselves. And um, Larry operates, um, in that in that in that space and tonight he's been sharing with us his thoughts about the biggest barriers to our progress and also his thoughts about money marriage self-esteem etc but very importantly and talent of course but very importantly i'd like 
Larry to speak to business leaders. What would you share with our business leaders who are listening tonight? You know, I often say that there's no business and no business can exist without identifying a problem that it is mandated to solve. And I've always said that there is no businessman or entrepreneur or enterprise without the entrepreneur. So your business is a function of who you are. So the entrepreneur makes the enterprise and the enterprise is the expression of the entrepreneur. Now, you must, of essence, if you want to create a sustainable business, you must find a problem. Look, let us begin to identify the problems of Africa and let us begin to create the solutions to those problems. Look, the whole world is focusing on Africa right now because they call Africa the next frontier. I say Africa has always been the frontier. Now they take raw materials out of Africa. They take people out of Africa and they used to build their nation. Africa has always fed the world. Africa has always been the source of the sustenance of the whole world. It's now time for us as Africans and through business leadership to own Africa, right? To identify the problems that we have in Africa and to create solutions. Look, you have not seen wealth like Africa can create wealth. Africa has the highest natural resources across every African country. Africa has the highest human resource per youth capital. The percentage of youth across Africa, right, is averaging between 50 to 70%, depending on what country in Africa. We have the, a great youth population. And so I admonish every business leader to identify problems that the youth will have in the future. I'm asking you to have foresight into the next 10 years, into the next 20 years, into the next 30 years. Don't be short-sighted into the next 40, 50, 100 years. And, our, and we need to begin to profess solutions for the problems that will happen in the next 50, 40, 30, 20, 10 years. We need to position ourselves as solutions to those African problems because there is great resource. Look, I've said that there are four dimensions to wealth. Knowledge is key. Find the African man's knowledge. Find the African man's solution. Find the African man's problem. And look, knowledge creates value. Time creates value. You know, um, influence and relationship creates value. And then you have that thing that you're in business for. Impact and money. Springboard Virtual University. It's been a very stimulating discussion with Larry Olushola, the catalyst who spent the, the past hour with us, helping us to place the building blocks to living the life that that you and I aspire towards, or the life that you 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 know you deserve to have. Um, let me ask you, Larry, to give us the the three part cocktail once again. I love that one. <laughs> the three-part cocktail. People like to take prescriptions. Oh, people yes. Like yes. People cocktail. like prescriptions. And then I'll give you my favorite quote from your, your session tonight. Wow, so, wow. Yes. Permit me to do two things. One, I'll give the favorite cocktail, which is, you know, um, you know, the secret cocktail to success 
is a healthy self-worth, a healthy self-esteem, and a healthy self-belief, which creates confidence. But you know, you will never find fulfillment and accomplishment in life if you do not approach your life from 12 dimensions. There are 12 dimensions to everybody's life, and you must constantly have a bedside perspective and be setting goals and running, you know, to, to, to accomplish in all those 12 areas. Number one is your health and well-being. Number two is your aspiration and your achievements in life. Number three is your contentment and peace. Number four is your cap yes slow it down number health number one is your health and well-being when we talk about health and well-being we talk about spiritual psychological and physical health and well-being number two is your achievement and aspiration and success in life number three is your level of contentment and peace number four is your career and your business number five is your friendships and your network number six is your level of security and spirituality number seven is your energy and passion number eight is your finance your wealth creation ability number nine is your self-esteem self-confidence self-worth and self-belief number 10 is fun recreation and rest number 11 is home and family and number 12 is your relationship and your marriage those are the 12 dimensions of your life you need to work towards achieving 100 percent in all of those then you will find fulfillment, satisfaction, happiness, peace, and joy in life. Which Number is Number one, every, yes. health and well-being. Yes. Number two, achievement and aspiration. Yes. Number three, contentment and peace. Is that correct? Yes. Number four? It's career and business. Career and business. Number five is spirituality. It's friendship and your network. Number six is spirituality and security. What do you place your security in? Money, love, fame, God, or what? Number seven is energy and passion. Number eight is your finance and your cash flow, your money, your wealth creation abilities. Number nine is the secret cocktail that I introduced. Self-esteem? Yeah, self-esteem, self-worth, self-confidence and self-belief. Number um, ten. 10 is fun, fun recreation and rest. Number 11 home and family. is home and family. Number and 12 family. is relationship and marriage. It's been a beautiful time with you, Lanry Olushola, helping us to unpack the building blocks of a fulfilling life. We look forward to having you again in Ghana and hanging out with you right here on the virtual university. Let's get, let's get your website once again before yes. you sign up, sir. Yes. So my social media handle is at Lanry Olushola. I'm very active. You know, I give out wisdom nuggets every day for free on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And my handle is at Lanry Olushola. My website is www.olusholalanry.com. And I've got a a rich resource research um, material platform, which is called www.lifezone. Lifezone being life, X-O-N-E, dot org. Lifezone. L-I-F-E-X-O-N-E dot org. You will, you will find different free personality tests. There's a test on your emotional intelligence, your IQ, character quotient test, self-esteem test, several tests right there. So go and enrich yourself. Thank you, Larry Olishala. Thank you for making time to be with us. Friends, I'm sure that it's been a fulfilling time for you. This is, has been Springboard of Virtual University. And on behalf of myself, Albert Okran, Matthew, Priscilla, Amos, 
Joe, who's been our guest engineer tonight, and very importantly, the registrar herself, Comfort, and then Renee Kiel, who linked us up with Larry. We want to say a big thank you to you for joining us. We look forward to resuming our discussion about smart solutions next week, and I'm sure that with the perspectives we received tonight from Larry, it's going to be an even more stimulating discussion. In the meantime, God bless you, God bless you, and God bless you. Good night.